You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for our Forces of Destiny recap. I'm your host, Cassie Scutch, and today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 10 of Forces of Destiny, Tracker Trouble. We have a tiny, itty-bitty bit of news this week, but not a whole ton. Um, It was a really slow news week this week. I was kind of uh, surprised by it, but we have gotten a lot of news um, previous weeks, and Resistance just started, so uh, kind of an expected lull in news, um, especially because we really don't have anything other than the rest of Resistance coming out for the next year, about uh, till next fall. Um, so that's that. But we did have like a little bit, not, it's barely even news. It's just things that happened relating to Star Wars. But I guess that's what our news is. Um, well, we had a picture uh, with the, just, I couldn't name a better trio. We had John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and George Lucas all on the set of The Mandalorian. Um, and it's it's been known that uh, George likes to go to the set of things that are filming now uh, after Disney bought Lucasfilm from him um, and kind of give his input and uh, bless the production and so seeing seeing that especially with Filoni there because I know that Filoni was kind of Lucas's protege and Filoni still working on you know everything now is an added bonus so seeing the three of them together makes this I'm already so excited for the Mandalorian you guys know this I talk all the time about it it's all we talk about with news the Mandalorian. We're so excited. And I'm already excited for it just based off of what we know about it. Um, and nothing based off of, you know, the validity of the storytelling. And even though I know John Favreau is going to do an amazing job, um, to see Filoni and Lucas there and to see that picture and to know, like, they're working on it. Or not, maybe not working on it, but they, you know, 
their touch is there. Um, I know Filoni is directing an episode, but just it's almost like whimsically exciting, if that makes any sense. It's like stars are aligning for this show, <laughs> which oh, that sounds super, super silly, but like that's how it feels when you see George Lucas as a part or, or in any way influencing something now that is a part of Star Wars since he's not uh, you know, working hands-on with, uh, with the production of the current, uh, Star Wars, uh, media. So, I don't know. That was just interesting to me. It was cool to me. It was interesting to see. I was excited. Um, and then, you know, again, not really news, but kind of news. People were talking about how Lucasfilm had vetoed a joke that was going to be told in the, uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 movie about Kylo Ren. Uh, basically, the writers of Wreck-It Ralph wanted to portray uh, Kylo Ren as a uh, as kind of like a spoiled brat, and uh, Lucasfilm was kind of just like, uh, he's our villain, can you guys maybe uh, not do that? <laughs> and, they, you know, they were respectful, they were like, oh, of course, yeah, no, if you guys aren't comfortable with that, like, that's totally fine, but a lot of people were like, uh, like, it was just a joke. Um, and so there's some people that are like a little confused about that and not not really getting the right like vibes from, you know, Lucasfilm telling other uh, Disney creators what to do uh, within their own uh, content. I think in the uh, I think in this context, it's it's OK for Lucasfilm to be able to say that. Um, and I think they have a, a bit of a priority over Wreck-It Ralph. And you, you can't you can't take a villain uh, like that, especially somebody who they're trying very, very hard to take that kind of crybaby views away from. you know people people do view him as a bit of a, a whiny brat. And so they're, they're I think they're trying to get away from that. Um, and so even though it's kind of a satirical commentary on that character, um, they don't don't want that, and I totally get that. It makes it seem like that's what they're trying to do, and that's the purpose, and that's not it. Um, so if like anybody's upset about this, like don't be. That kind of stuff happens like all the time within producing things like this. Everybody's consulted with, especially if somebody else's property is being used. But that is all we have for news this week. So. Uh, this episode's gonna be pretty short, um, because not only was there not a whole ton of news, but this episode of, this episode of Forces of Destiny was also pretty short as well. We're doing this nice and quick, really fast. Wish it wasn't so quick. Wish we could talk forever, but there's not as much to talk about. So let's get started with the episode. Calculate the jump, Chop. <laughs> my boyfriend doing? Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! Hand it over, Ewok. No! No! 
So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. Following the skirmish above the Aravana, Ray and BB-8 are sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo. Han tells Ray to keep her head down at Maz Kanata's castle and to leave it to him. Suddenly, the Millennium Falcon experiences a sudden jolt that causes it to exit hyperspace. When Ray asks Han if he did a full sweep for tracking devices, Han asks Chewbacca if he did a scan of the ship. While Chewbacca growls back, Ray warns Han that Unkar Plutt had installed a new kind of tracking device and that they need to do a visual check. Han says that he'll get the hyperdrive online and tells Ray and Chewbacca to do a visual check on the ship. In the Millennium Falcon's corridor, Finn asks Ray what is going on. Ray tells him that Unkar Plutt had hired her to fix starships. While she did not install a tracking device on the Millennium Falcon, she thinks that he may have done it. Chewbacca growls they should look near the aft sensor pulse generator. Ray translates this and adds that Unkar Plutt may have hidden it there to avoid detection since the augment would boost the modulation. Under his breath, Finn mutters, sorry that I asked. The three find the tracker on the sensor pulse generator. Despite Ray's warnings, Finn picks up the tracking device and accidentally sets off the self-destruct mechanism. Ray tells Chewbacca to get the tracking device to the airlock. Ray and Finn are alarmed that they only have 20 seconds to dispose of the bomb. Finn goes to warn Han. At Ray and Han's signal, Chewie hurls the tracking device out of the airlock. The tracker explodes and the traveling companions are able to continue their journey to Takodana. Han praises Ray for her good catch, but, he- but Ray responds that she and Chewbacca were a good team. Chewie roars back in appreciation. Oof, so here we go. Another episode taking place during The Force Awakens. Uh, That's most of what we get with Ray's episodes. I believe there are one or two that don't take place during one of the movies. They take place, obviously, between both uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi because we have those now, but uh, first season we only have The Force Awakens because The Last Jedi had not come out yet. But we got... The section of The Force Awakens between uh, Finn, Ray, and BB-8 uh, kind of picking up Han and Chewie um, on their, like, freighter, whatever, wherever they were hauling the Rathtars. So they're, you know, on their way to Takodana at this point, and this is, like, a good spot for them to have added stuff in. And so that's, like, the first thing I was thinking is, like, okay, this is perfect. We didn't learn anything about our characters during this point but by the time um by the time they reach Takodana you know we have some kind of relationship that has formed between Han and Rey and we never got to see kind of how that happened um and so we kind of get the start of it here um not the start of it but the start of it was when Rey by bypass the compressor or whatever in The Force Awakens, but we're kind of seeing a little bit more of that, of him seeing, like, oh, she's she's got something. Like, she knows how to do stuff. She's smart, all this. You know, they're, they're learning a little bit about each other. The whole group of people is learning about each other, you know, Chewie, Finn, everybody. So that was cool to see. Um, it was kind of, it was building relationships, which was not something we got in The Force Awakens. Uh, it was cut out. 
I'm guessing that this scene, you know, again, just like every other uh, thing that takes place during something else, it, it kind of acts as a deleted scene, which is awesome. We love those. We're adding to our little web. I talk about it all the time. Uh, a couple things we noticed with this episode, though. Unfortunately, they couldn't get Harrison Ford to come back and voice Han, uh, which was a little weird um, just because we did have Daisy and John, uh, both being able to, they, they both reprise their, reprise their roles, but obviously Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford. He, not that Daisy Ridley and John Boyega don't have better things to do, but you get my drift. But the guy who did voice Han did an amazing job. You could barely tell the difference. I thought it was a very good Han. That kind of that kind of took me back for a moment, but then you know once you get used to it, you're like, okay, cool. Um, and Han wasn't as big of a player in this episode as just Ray was because it was a Ray centric episode. When they were kind of describing when when Ray and Chewie were kind of trying to figure out what was going on with the bomb and how that was working, um, I feel like. They were using big words just to use big words. And I think they were kind of trying to use this to make Ray seem a lot smarter and a lot more competent and a lot better with tools and things, which she is. She's great with those things, but they were, you know, we're using big words and, you know, using Finn as kind of a, as a character who doesn't really know what's going on, which even though we know that Ray does, Finn also, you know, isn't stupid, and he was kind of painted as an idiot in this episode, which wasn't the best move. Um, I went, I, every time I do one of these, I'll, I go through the comments um, in an episode, and I'm getting ready to get to another comment. Um, just a lot of people getting mad about Finn being uh, made to look like an idiot. You know, he was, didn't really know what was going on. Most of his lines were, what? Uh, I don't know what you just, like, that kind of thing. He was very confused the whole time. He took the bomb off the wall, and he's supposed to know better than that. And a lot of people were just saying, like, I can't believe this is canon. Like, he has to be a smarter character than that. And I and I have to, I have, I'm inclined to agree um, that his character is definitely supposed to be smarter than that. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about how there's A canons, there's B canons, you know. This is canon until something proves otherwise and this may not be you know everything's completely as it is um and I'd like to think of it that way um I'd like to think that maybe you know it can be interpreted different ways um you can take stuff out that you don't like and you can put stuff in um to your own specifications uh just because this isn't you know a film or this isn't whatever it it could be, you know, they could paint it in a different way later on and say, you know, he knocked it off the wall or something like that. Um, and it's just an easier way to present it like that, maybe. Or, you know, or maybe they did just decide that he took the bomb off the wall. And then that that's kind of a different conversation of their, they are just, you know, using that in order to give us something else that is our side plot, you know, our oh no, it's going to explode. And I think that's fine um, because this this bit of story is not really going to affect anything else. Um, And I don't think that even though it's not great for his character and it's not the best thing to have happened, 
it doesn't change anything that's already out there. And so I don't see as big of a problem with it. Um, because I think any character would make that mistake, even though he is somebody who should know better than that. Looking at it, yes, to us, we know it looks like a bomb, but maybe trackers look like that as well. So maybe he just thought, oh, we'll take the tracker off, and then they're like, oh no, it's also a bomb. It could have been the mistake of everybody else. Anybody could have made that mistake, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just him. And so I try not to think about that as much, and I try not to take everything that Forces of Destiny puts out there and take what they're doing to heart because they are trying to push more of a female-oriented narrative and so they are going to want to not put the male characters down but definitely elevate the female characters a little bit more which isn't isn't great it's not um that isn't what they should be doing and how they should be uh, telling these stories, but I think that it is the most, it's the easiest way to do it, and it's the easiest way for things to be understood. There were also a lot of comments um, on the YouTube video um, talking, you know, the typical Ray's and Mary Sue, um, and of course she knows exactly what to do because she always does, um, but this one... Sometimes, yes, I do agree with that with um, the whole, you know, she is perfect because she needs to be perfect for this story. But in this case, I, I totally agree with what they um, put into the episode because her entire backstory is that she's grown up fixing ships and scavenging ships and she's she knows ships inside and out and she knows exactly how they work. And so the part where they're using all the big words and and they're explaining, you know, whatever Ray and Chewie were saying, and, and it's, you know, science fiction words, you know, none of it's real, uh, so none of us are really meant to understand what it means, so I'm not even going to try to pretend, <laughs> but um, when they're using all that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, oh, well, why is she so smart? It's just like, she just knows all this information because she needs to for the story, and that is, that is true, but it's also, you know, part of who she is as a character is that she does know these things and there are other things she doesn't know and we don't learn about that because that's not pushing what they want to push uh, especially for the forces of destiny uh shorts they don't want us to know the things that she is knowledgeable about but they do want to push that you know she knows a lot about ships and she knows a lot about flying and she has a backstory for that there's a reason for her to know about ships there's a reason for her to know about flying and anybody who wants to say that anything that she knows about those is not valid and that's just them you know wanting her to be a strong character is not paying attention uh, and that's a lot of what I'll come back to whenever somebody you know, is arguing about something like that, is arguing about the force or, or characters not acting how they're supposed to act. And I do, you know, grain of salt with the whole Finn thing for this episode, but, you know, you've got to really pay attention and take pieces of everything and, and think about motivation as well as, you know, backstory and all this stuff. So uh, I just, I think that, that whole thing was the, uh, first of all the point of this episode but it was also completely justified um, especially within the context of this episode and what's going on at the time okay so like I said not very long uh, with the episode today a couple more things that were just a little bit weird 
Um, there was definitely some weird stuff going on with uh, the bomb and kind of their urgency with it and getting rid of it and what was going on with it because they kind of stood there for quite a quite a little while when you know it was pretty obvious that it was a bomb and that it was getting ready to go off and it was beeping down um and that was a little weird because they were all like how long do we have 20 seconds pause 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 oh that's not good i'll go tell han <laughs> like it, it was just interesting um and kind of it took it definitely took it from where it could have definitely been a lot more suspenseful to not being suspenseful and kind of we're sitting here and we're kind of like what are they what what are they doing it doesn't seem like there's a whole ton of danger here because nobody's really worried about it you know they didn't seem worried at all and then the airlock was just there was no kind of they definitely could have taken that and made it into something that was uh, a little bit more action-filled and a little bit more... Uh, it could have just been cooler than you just see it floating outside of the outside of the ship. They could have, you know, had a whole, oh, it won't open, oh, blah, 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 you know, we have to do this. But instead it was just, okay, it's out of the ship now. And I don't know, I just felt like this episode was, like, lacking a little bit because I think the whole plot of this episode was oh we're out of hyperspace there must be something wrong oh look there's a tracker I know the tracker's a bomb the bomb's out of the ship and there was no like obstacle that they had to overcome that was something that was really that big of an obstacle they kind of just did there wasn't like a big problem to be solved um everything was kind of laid out in front of them which is just unlike Force of Destiny as a whole um, and kind of just not up to par with the other episodes. It wasn't a bad episode. I liked having this uh, this span of time. I liked having the little bits of bonding. Um, it, was, it was interesting to see some of Ray's knowledge with the ships, um, but uh, just like the storytelling aspect of this episode was not up to uh, the typical standard of Forces of Destiny, which um, it disappointed me a little bit. But next episode, Teach You I Will, uh, great storytelling. I'm really excited for that one. And as I said, this episode is really short. Sorry about that. But thank you for listening. And as always, you can stay up to date in all the latest in Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cassie Scutch. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in one of two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch or by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pledging your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack podcast and the Thunderquack group on Facebook. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be back next week with Teach You I Will with Yoda and Ahsoka and Anakin. And I'm really excited for that episode. So be excited as well. Um, thanks for listening. I will talk with you guys next week. Bye.